Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We're so excited to do another episode. It's about time that we do another episode focusing on music from the Sonic series, which is one of our <laughs> absolute favorite series of games and yep. video game music. But today's going to be a really fun episode because we're going to be focusing on the dual soundtracks to Sonic 3D Blast. The, um, True. The Sega Genesis version, which was composed by... Mostly Jun Senue, yeah, but some the, other Sega the people. The Japanese Sega team. Yep. Um, but then also the incredible score by Richard Jakes. For the uh, Saturn. Yeah, which we're both big fans of. The soundtracks couldn't be more different <laughs> in terms of style, but yeah. they're, they both have... An similarity, yeah, when it comes to catchy melodies, fun, uplifting groove. But I'd say yeah. that the Senue score is more in the idiom of, you know, Masato Nakamura and even like the Sonic 3, Sonic and yeah, Knuckles, for sure. that sort of style. Yeah, one thing that's cool about Sonic 3D Blast for the Genesis is they were really uh, following in the footsteps of Sonic 3 in a lot of ways. They, they use the same drum samples, they use a lot of the same instrument settings for the FM sound chip. Uh, some of the tunes have a similar compositional style. Some of them don't. Some of them definitely go into some different directions. But yeah, it is really interesting. We're going to be able to compare and contrast these two scores. We're actually going back and forth quite a bit today. So I think it's going to be a unique episode. I don't remember an exact situation like this that we've done before. I know we had that episode called Ports. And I think we may have even uh, touched on 3D Blast on that episode. Um, but yeah, this this is just going to be a fun time. Yeah, I think it's a it's a sort of unique example. Um, there's there's uh, numerous examples of video games where the ports, especially back in the eight and sixteen bit era, you know, ports of the same title could be sometimes. Uh, the differences are more just graphics and the sound capabilities of the hardware. But sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, in the case of something like Aladdin, they're fundamentally different games developed by different studios. But this is an interesting example of the same game, uh, but not different soundtracks in terms of implementation, but fundamentally different music. Other examples of this would be like uh, the score that Dave Wise did for Donkey Kong Country 3 on the Game Boy Advance. But these are really interesting examples because it's rare that we can see see two different composers approach essentially the same exact source material uh, and in completely uh, original approaches. It's going to be fun to compare that. So we don't have time today to play every single stage theme from each version, but we have a a, a large assortment here of most of the music from 3D Blast. So yes, uh, we're going to now move on to, you know, we played in with a remix that I did called The Grove is Always Greener. That was something I did for Dwelling of Duels a few years back. And that actually did combine funnily enough, uh, the Saturn and Genesis themes. But anyway, let's start off with the main titles from the Saturn version. Uh, This is by Richard Jakes. This is how he set up uh, Sonic 3D Blast. Let's take a listen.
guys are listening to the main titles, uh, transitioning from the Jake's title to the Senaway <laughs> uh, title here, giving you a little bit of a taste of how different these these two soundtracks are. But yeah, they're both very fun, very tropical. Um, yeah, it's interesting as we as we will hear when we go throughout the episode. It's interesting at what points the different composers took some risks or maybe went into some surprising directions. I think overall, what I've heard a lot of people say about the Saturn soundtrack, I think most people enjoy it, but I think what a lot of people say is, wow, this is cheesy. And it it, it is. I mean, this is, this is a game that came out in 1996. So when you think about the production tools that were available in the mid-90s to a game composer, um, it was... A very specific sound. <laughs> yeah, I think that also it's like going from east to west. It's like part of the sound of Sonic is sort of the sound of J-pop. A lot of those sort of fusiony chord changes, and in general, the Senue score is much more melodic. In a re- it's it's catchier, I guess. I I don't want to say it's more melodic because both scores are very melodic. But I think. The Richard Jakes version, the appeal of it is more um, holistic. It's the overall package of the groove and even the cheesy production. That's part of what makes it charming. I do feel like uh, the sound of the Genesis and that FM synth style is part of what is so nostalgic sounding about the Sonic CD. I think if you put these tracks on equal footing, say just make simple piano arrangements, or if you made 16-bit versions of both of them, some of the tracks would be comparable, but I also just think like... The Jake's main title can't compare to the Senaway main title. It's just so catchy, <laughs> and it really packs a punch. It's a very short piece of music, and in the style of Masato Nakamura's, you know, kind of like da 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 da. Yes, da, da, it's, da, it's da, kind da, of like that old songwriter. Is it, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like a musical or just like some kind of Tim Pan Alley type of a melody. It's like a fanfare that you would hear years years before. It has a classical yeah, kind of. It, a, I mean, sound it's so it. sonic that that blend of. Uh, yeah, old-fashioned songwriting, a little bit of bluesiness, but with but then a the frantic use of, like, drumbeat, the flat six that feels sort of cinematic, and it, it's it's perfectly gamey, it's perfectly sonic. I love the drum fills too. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a little taste of the the back and forth. Let's let's do it again now, and we are gonna. <laughs> it's so early in the episode, we are gonna move on to this week's track of the week. And that shouldn't be surprising because it's Green Grove Zone. Act one. We're starting off with the Genesis version, and then we're going to immediately follow with the Saturn version. How fun. This was a track composed by June Senaway.
You guys are listening to Green Grove Zone, Act 1 from Sonic 3D Blast. This is for the Genesis, and just wait a little bit and you're going to hear what Richard did for the Saturn version. And man, they couldn't be more different. I would say that this is a lot more in common with what we've heard in the previous Sonic games. Uh, And part of that is that we're hearing this on the FM sound chip. So yeah, it would have been weird if Jun Senaway and company went for a totally different musical sound while still being on the, the FM sound chip. So yeah, I, I totally get why they were, you know, still trying to follow the footsteps of the composers before. But also, you know, occasionally we're going to hear today definitely going to some new places. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about this song is that it's like, it's so clever about its repetition. That, yeah. Um, and my favorite game music does this, where it implies internal repetition without being a direct loop. Mm-hmm. And the way that it sort of changes, it's da 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 da. It's like a it real payoff with the same idea, but it, it develops. It's it's not just verbatim, and that that gives it a real um, that that sort of old timey quality. I think you know, I mean, great old songwriting. Like if you take the so- songs from like Guys and Dolls, or if you yeah. Get an old Gershwin or Cole Porter tune. There's that same kind of ingenuity where the repetition is is there and and you can hear it melodically, but you know, each iteration feels like it's still growing and expanding so yeah. that it reaches this climax that's so satisfying because you have the material in there that feels familiar, but it's also going on a bit of a journey. I mean, yeah, and there's so much that I love. I love the B section. The ba, 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 the ba, instruments ba, are ba, outstanding. Ba. And then just, yeah, the, the chord progressions of this song, I think are just absolutely delightful. I love the use of the major to minor four, some of the surprising borrowed harmonies. One thing that I notice is, I think another thing that just makes this feel so classic is the FM arrangement. Yeah. I mean, it just, it feels like classic Sonic. Uh, part of it is these instrument sounds we're getting, that FM bass Well, and then also, I know for a fact that Masaru Setsumaru, who is a great kind of Sega implementer, I think he was one of the people in in charge of the instruments and kind of more of the sound programming. Uh, He did work on this game as well and actually contributed to music. There's one track near the end of our playlist that apparently was a Setsumaru composition. So that'll be cool to finally hear his composition as opposed to, you know, just his his wonderful well, Sega production. Another one of my favorite, I just love the ending. It's such a, well, I mean, that's... That could it sounds be, like a show tune. That could be yeah. Koji Kondo. Like, that's really exceptional. Very that, happy. that blend of bluesiness with the fun sort of cinematic harmony, it's very sonic. I mean, it, it really, it's like... That's what I think is um, my favorite thing about Jun Senaway. And I, to me as a composer, he's kind of hit or miss. But when he's great, I feel like he is actually the distillation of everything that that is Sonic music. Where it's like yeah. the, the first two games, that Masato Nakamura sound is very specific. And Sonic 3 is also great. And Sonic and & Knuckles in sort of a different way. Yeah. But what I love about this Green Grove Zone, I feel like it has a little bit of everything that is... Ju- to me, this is almost like if you can only choose one piece to represent the entire series i i don't think you can do better than green grove zone you really can't well now let's move on to the saturn version of green grove zone act one composed by richard jakes we're moving from sega fm sound chip to red book audio let's take a listen
You guys are listening to Green Grove Zone, Act 1 by the wonderful Richard Jakes, one of my favorite composers and a composer that is so inspirational to me. Uh, I mean, I don't think I would have made Downforce if not for the music of Richard Jakes in many ways. So I love this composer. I love this song. Um, That's why I did a remix of it. I think it's so just sunshiny and fun. I love how it's like Latin pop, Latin dance pop fusion. It's a really complex and busy piece of music. When I first heard it, I judged it harshly because I I think I thought it was a little too chaotic. That's Mm. actually one reason why I slowed the tempo down on my remix because it it is pretty chaotic. There's a lot going on. I also think just like to judge the mix, especially by today's standards, it's very muddy. The melody's a little tucked. Uh, yep. Not just that may- making the melody louder would be better. Part of it is the the timbre choices. It's like w- the what feels more like the principal element is is the piano and some mm-hmm. of the other elements here. But on a compositional level, I really think this is such a strong it's melody. An outstanding, and it's tune. actually the the tune itself, not so much the arrangement that feels so specifically Latiny, which doesn't necessarily feel like this would fit as like stage one in a typical Sonic game. But mm-hmm. melodically, it is very Sonic, particularly. If you were a fan da, 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 da. of Sonic CD, then this fits like a glove. This yeah. reminds me of that Very style much. a lot. Yeah, like I mean, both the Sonic CD versions, the Japanese and US, kind of have this. Part of it, I think, is the 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 era. I mean, hearing that sort of cheesy Red Book audio, mm-hmm. which is something that I do. Um, you know, I, I hope people can listen past it was something i think i struggled with when i first heard this yeah because it just didn't have what i loved about game music it wasn't just the primitive sounds but it was kind of like this excellent stellar flawless composition being played on these primitive hardware where yeah this sort of sounds like there's a lot of inspired ideas here but there's a lot of fat and I think that's yep. sort of what happens. And there's also no nostalgia for the sounds. So I think, but I think what, what I really appreciate about Richard Jakes is, I mean, he's an excellent composer. He has a lot more um, bold and daring harmonic choices in a piece yeah. like this, both of how it sort of modulates between the sections. Uh, it's very jazzy, very fusiony. The use of that sort of flat seven chord or like the minor four over the flat seven, that very sort of fusiony, uh, really rich harmonic sound. Uh, th- there's so much of that that's really appealing about this track, but I think my favorite thing is just the melody. Me too. I do think that this, uh, I-, I think it would be cool to hint at this because I know, you know, like Sonic Adventure reuses the Senaway yeah. Green Grove Zone. I think it would be really cool. And that's what I loved about your arrangement is kind of incorporating this back into the canon of Sonic. This is classic it's such too. a good tune. You know, as we go on, we'll talk about our feelings on both of the scores. My feeling is you know, especially now listening to all of them again and kind of thinking about them more comparatively, I do think the Genesis score is stronger, uh, surprisingly. And and it's never been like a a score that I think is amazing. I, we never would do an episode just on it by itself, which is why we haven't. Same with the Saturn. We would never do an episode just on that by itself. But together, it does make a great playlist. I think the Saturn score is actually really up and down in quality. Some of the tunes I just cannot stand, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So that's fascinating. Uh, we're going to move on to Rusty Ruin Zone, Act 1. And we're also, as we fade down, we will transition to Act 2 because I wanted to give you guys a taste of this. Now, this is one of the cases where we're not playing today the Saturn version of this. I I really didn't like the Saturn version of of Rusty Ruin. So definitely check that on your own. So we're just going to take a listen to the Genesis version of this. This is the second stage in the game. This one was composed by 
Tatsuyuki Maeda. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to a bit of Rusty Ruin Act 1 and 2. We made a little um, combined version. This is composed by Tatsuyuki Maeda, a great Sega composer and Sonic composer. He worked on the series in the past, and it's a, this is a solid kind of, I guess I would say, like, funk score. Right. It reminds me of back backing score, but it's also very funky. I love the groove. I love how the Act 2 kind of picks up the intensity a little bit. Really wonderful arrangement, though. Just very imaginative. Yeah, that's definitely what I was going to say. I think the the Sega composers and the Sega engineers just had the best sounding music on the Genesis. This is there's so much clarity to this arrangement and I think that's the thing is like the notes on paper, not that they're bad. I think it's 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 great music, but this is a piece of music that I think if Richard Jakes had arranged it, I probably would have less to say about it. Um, and I do think there's something about the use of all these channels. Like one of my favorite qualities is you start off with that riff and it kind of has, yeah. it's a little bit parallel fifthsy, has sort of a bluesy sound. I was saying it reminded me of like Earthworm Jim because it's so funky. It's very riffy. But then when the melody comes in and we get to that sort of A section, I love that that riff continues, but just in the PSG. Also it the use of it. panning. I mean, you're, you're so limited on the Genesis with what you can do, but the use of panning really creates a dynamic three-dimensional feeling. And I gotta say, you know, I have issues with this game. It's not a great game. It's a, it's kind of a fun game for a while. It's clunky, but uh, it is fun to feel like you're playing a quasi 3D game back in '96 on the Genesis. What I will say about the second stage, it's a, it's a tough stage. It's a bit of a frustrating stage, but the music really puts you into an. There's an atmosphere this music has, and I think this music was responsible for me sticking with the stage longer than I would have yeah, otherwise. It's catchy, man. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's like. 
The Japanese composers are just, I think, a little bit better at writing music that's catchy. And oftentimes it just feels just a tad more earnest. Like, yeah. I love Richard Jakes. Like, I yeah, mean, and guys, so much of his music is awesome. Definitely check out the, the Richard version of Rusty Ruin. I'm not a fan of it. I thought it was very mediocre. Uh, we're not playing it today, but it's, it's again, very different. I think I find this. often that it seems like a big difference between Eastern and Western composers has to do with sort of the... I guess the the mood is a big thing. It's like because, you know, you could find plenty examples in Richard's music where he would do some w- musical choices like this. Yeah. But I think what's fascinating, um, and it, we've talked about this before, you know, whether you're looking at someone like Dave Wise or Grant Kirkhope or Michael Land, Peter mm-hmm. McConnell, it's not like, you know, Japanese composers write great melodies and Western composers don't. That's not at all how we feel. I think it's just more that what tool is being used when where so often I feel like with great Japanese game music it's kind of like their allegiance seems first to writing a piece of music that in inspires the emotion they want for the overall game yeah and the second is the attention to the level and the stage and the mood and I feel like western composers oftentimes are okay with the music just being serviceable as long as it fits the environment and so sometimes you'll have a really comic piece of music followed by a really dark piece of music and things lean into cliche maybe a bit more where so often especially like sonic music it's like there's almost a requirement every piece of music needs to be funky every piece (laughs) of music needs to have a great melody yeah i don't know that richard jakes put that constraint on him he's just thinking of how do i make this level feel that's a really interesting idea so we're now going to move on to a stage uh theme where we are going to be able to go back and forth again from genesis to saturn this is spring stadium zone act one now there's a lot of great Act 2 themes. We're going to get to some of them today. Um, but yeah, we're going to do the Act 1 for both of these. This is Think of this as kind of like a Casino Night Zone type of a song. It's very carnival-y, very silly, and, and jazzy. We're going to start off with the Genesis 1, and this was one composed by June Senaway. This is Spring Stadium Act 1. You guys are listening to Spring Stadium Zone, Act 1 for the Genesis. Um, yeah, this is a really 
it just feels like a classic Sonic tune. I love how it's swung. You know, it's kind of devious. Very playful, very fun. This is a stage that I, I didn't really enjoy. <laughs> uh, I, I do like this track a lot, and I think it, it this music made me enjoy the stage more than I would have otherwise. Um, but yeah, th- this is a game that's very frustrating, and it, it's just, it is kind of clunky. I mean, I think it was, there haven't been a lot of, at this time, there hadn't been a lot of games trying to go for this kind of 2.5 3D approach, and so... Yeah, they tried their best with it, but yeah, th- this this is a really cool track. Will, what does this remind you of in the Sonic series? Well, it's so much like Casino Night Zone in terms of the groove and even that the chord progression of having that dominant chord yeah. on the third scale degree. Uh, the it, it, it sort of feels like melodically linked to his Green Grove or his main theme for yep. Sonic 3D it's almost Blast, like a which variation. is cool. Yeah, it's like... A, I, the other thing I really admire about Jun Senue is he clearly has reverence for Masato Nakamura's music as mm-hmm. well as just everything that's happened in this series. Even the Yuzo Koshiro, like, it definitely feels like he is he's very clear on what the idiom is. And yeah. that's something that I admire. And Unfortunately, I feel like that's something that's actually been lost over the years as he's kind of become a very similar feelings I have about Machiro Yamane with Castlevania yeah. where like Symphony of the Night feels the most like linked to what came before it. And then as she became like the lead composer, her sound and her influence on Castlevania, I'm, I guess I'm less crazy about. Um, but like that first title when they have to prove themselves, that's how I feel about Sonic 3D Blast with Jun Senue where it's like, I really feel like he knocked a lot of this stuff out of the park and it's so Sonic-y. But once you get to some of the later titles that introduce more of the like, I don't know, pop punk rock kind of guitar music sound, it loses a lot of what was so great about this stuff in the 90s. I totally agree. Do you know, Will, that I considered on the docket doing a Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 episode? That would be fun. I feel like we should. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I was listening to some of the stuff and I just, I couldn't stomach it. So I know there's good stuff. There's also stuff that I really don't like. So that would be an interesting episode. Right. We'd have to give a pretty extreme disclaimer before we start. Okay, let's move on to Spring Stadium Zone Act 1 for the Saturn, composed by Richard Jakes. Let's see what he did.
You guys listening to Spring Stadium, Zone Act 1, and similar to Senaway, it feels like Richard is taking some of his ideas and kernels that he established in Green Grove and bringing them back here, too. So that's cool. They both did that. This is uh, Richard's version of Spring Stadium, and it's so fascinating because they're both jazz tracks. Uh, This is way more authentic. This has an actual jazz ensemble that you can really tell what everything's supposed to be. Piano, upright drums. The drum MIDI part is really great, really expressive. Um, He did a great job with this kind of 90s MIDI-esque music, but it doesn't have the same soul and heart that the Genesis music does. It it definitely doesn't feel like sonic music as much. Yeah, I think it misses a little bit of of the point where what one of the things we were celebrating, I think, about the Japanese version and part of it, you know, having those FM sounds and those arrangements are really strong, I think. Yeah. Um, n- not that, you know, Genesis versus Red Book is always better because that certainly wouldn't be the case with every score. Right. But I think also musically, there seemed to be this unified sound in this this feeling of like what is Sonic as a character and his personality is in every stage theme. Where with the Richard Jakes version, there's nothing about this that's sonic-y in the sense of the previous music of the series, but I also don't get how it scores him as a character. None of this music makes me think of the, you know, this blue hedgehog that runs fast. None of this makes me think of Sonic's attitude. You know, it's this, great music. What though. this makes me think of is a casino, and yeah. I think maybe that maybe that's where Richard stopped. Right, like, and that's oh why yeah, you need to make it, a jazz track. It has for this sort of a public okay. domain music library sound. Like it just yeah. sort of feels like stock. A little bit more stock and part of that is these red book sounds are kind of stock it's true and so this is one of the tracks that when i have looked online and seen comments of people being very critical of the saturn i understand what they're saying because it's it's good music uh even if some other people say it's terrible music it's not um it's just maybe not the most fitting and it's a very harsh transition to make if you're used to the genesis music yeah it's, it's um, one example where it's like going for authenticity after a certain point, you have diminishing returns where it just it sounds so pastiche that it loses its it loses what's unique about it. I mean, it's like one of the you know, when you listen to the music of Mario 2 and it, maybe it's like this track sounds like a ragtime piece. Right. Uh, part of it is that it a little bit reminds us of that, but it's also a little bit something new we've never heard before. If you were to replace that with, with the honky general tonk piano, honky tonk piano, just doing cliches, musical yeah. cliches that are like technically more authentic, but a less inspired melody, a less inspired arrangement. And it's just because you would lose so much of the, the, the imagination. Yeah. And the soul that comes out of that music. That's so fascinating to go back and forth. Well, we're going to go back and forth again here with the boss. And this is actually one to save time. I did this in one track. It's a mix here. So we're going to hear a bit of the Genesis boss that's going to quickly fade. And then we're going to hear a bit of the Saturn boss. This is composed by Maida and Jakes. Here we go.
You guys listening to The Boss, uh, first with the Genesis and then with the Saturn. And it's hilarious how different they are in every possible way you could imagine. You know, it's kind of cute. You know, Richard is really taking this Boss theme seriously. It sounds like something you would hear in like a 90s Tim Burton movie or something. It's very imaginative and fun and it's good music. It's good, um, you know, kind of background score for... It's honestly a better melody. Some sort of battle. Yeah. Um, But, again, it it doesn't have the character and the charm that we expect with Sonic music. Let's start by... Let's just start by talking about what we liked about the Genesis boss theme. There's actually quite a bit I liked about it. Yeah. it's, It's funny because... It's it's hard to characterize what's different about these scores because sometimes we characterize uh, the Richard's music as like it's more about the groove and the overall package of it. In mm-hmm. the the um, Japanese stuff is more melodic, but in this case, I actually think Richard Jake's melody is better. Yeah, um, definitely. I think the overall appeal of the first one it has that unique blend that makes it specific to this game. You know, the bluesiness of the bum 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 ba da 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 da. It reminds yeah. me of Masato Nakamura. It has a fun. It has the attitude of Sonic. It definitely even does. though it's it's like it's serving two things it's like first we got to make it sonic and then we have to make it a boss theme where with richard i feel like his first goal is i have to make it a boss theme and then his second goal is what instruments have i used already that i can put into this but it's less of a clear idiom or style and it also is just so different that it like it's hard to go back and forth because his music seems a little bit less fun. One thing that I can almost guarantee is that Richard had way less feedback and oversight to what he provided than the Sega sound team did. Right. You know, for and a fact that, that they had a lot more of feedback. the implementation, you know, it's like I, I, we got this from talking to Manami and Takashi uh, on the podcast when we interviewed them, that it's just like, they, they had to be so thoughtful about their music because they weren't the ones implementing it. So it's like, wh- what was their job? Their job was choosing the right notes. Yeah. And so I think when you're producing music on, on your own, sometimes it's like, you, you could just play in the piano part and play in this part. And yeah. there's this sense of like, oh, why did I choose that? I don't know. It sounded good. Where I think writing for the Genesis, because it was so slow and painstaking and yeah. you usually had more than one person translating from composition to implementation I think it forced you it's the same way we've talked about like some Nintendo composers when they write for the real orchestra or big band they write amazing music and then when they just do general MIDI stuff sometimes it's of a lower quality I think it's the same phenomenon when it has to be translated you need to have possibly a a bit more musical clarity let's move on to a Saturn stage theme uh, that we're not going to play the Genesis equivalent of it was an okay Genesis track but I thought the, the Saturn one was cool uh, and we haven't gotten a lot of Act 2 love today, so let's do that. Let's play an Act 2 uh, version of Diamond Dust Zone from the Saturn by Richard Jakes.
very sweet piece of music. One of my favorites from Jake's soundtrack. This is Diamond Dust Zone Act 2. And I like uh, both the Diamond Dusts from the Genesis. I don't have anything against it. It just narrowly didn't make our playlist today. I know I know that's actually a popular Genesis track. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very different than this. Um, yeah, I really like the groove he establishes here. It's such a sweet, shimmering piece of music. Diamond Dust is like a snow ice stage and so it's really cool to hear if you guys want to check out the genesis version it's really cool to hear how they approach that differently i think they both got some some of the sweetness that the stage has this is great yeah i love this this feels very nintendo-y like this is very japanese sounding melodically the chord progressions i also love the way like we talked about with uh, one of Richard's other compositions, it sort of modulates between sections where yeah. we hear the same material up a minor third or up a fourth or going to a different, you know, going to the dominant. And it, it, it's a very kind of jazzy way of recontextualizing the same material, which that is something that I would say not a lot of Japanese composers tend to do. I don't know if it's just that they they don't like that sound or that part of it is the loopable nature of game music. Maybe they found that changing keys too much makes you notice the loop point it could or be. that the music has repeated but I think it's something that I really think I, I admire when composers explore getting out of one single key for the whole composition I think it yeah. keeps the music fresh uh, yeah, this is maybe one of my favorites that we've played today. Again, very Solid cheesy, track. but it's so earnest, um, and it, it is very tender. I think it characterizes a snow level in a nice way without feeling too cliche. So without comparing that, we're going to move to a track that uh, is also an Act 2 that we're not comparing. Uh, this is Volcano Valley Zone, Act 2 for the Genesis. This one was composed by Maida. Let's take a listen. cool track that is volcano valley zone act two for the genesis um you guys are hearing uh, it transition to a little bit of the saturn version here so just so that you can get a taste i didn't specifically put this track in the playlist but i, I do like the the comparison a little bit yeah but the genesis one let's talk about that what a what a great melody and a very interesting uh groove and kind of atmosphere that it really sets up i love how sparse the the, the groove is. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it, actually. It's probably one of my favorite Maida compositions on the score. Yeah, it's interesting. It doesn't sound super sonic-y. That's even true. Even though it's, it's Genesis. It actually reminds me 
more of like the ease series maybe some That's of it is the instruments the, sort of the modal writing if anything it reminds me of that what is that like secret stage in sonic and knuckles the not the lava reef but the like hidden hidden palace, palace zone yeah kind of reminds me of that a little bit that's true yeah um yeah it, it's a strong composition i yeah it's interesting this one feels like just a few hairs away from being fully cooked yeah like, i really I like the the melodic idea of in that chord progression mm-hmm. but it doesn't really go anywhere satisfying it just keeps repeating mm. that riff so to me it like it feels a bit like a wasted idea. That's interesting. Um, where it's like, I think if, um, you know, if one of the composers who worked on Sonic 3 or Sonic and Knuckles had that motif, I think they would have kind of tightened the screws a little bit more and made it something a bit catchier and For sure. more in like a pop idiom. Like I kept wanting to go, or something, you know, <laughs> right. a little pop, a little more change. Um, That's interesting though. Well, let's go to two back to back delightful tracks. I love both of these. It's the special stage theme. We're going to start off with Genesis and then we're going to move on to After this, the Saturn version, the Genesis one was composed by Jun Senue. Here we go. This is great. Um, what I love about this, you guys listening to the special stage from 3D Blast by Senue, and it is the sequel to the Sonic 3 special stage. You have a lot of the same lead instruments, even that kind of organ solo instrument, the same from the organ solo or part. Or even like the gumball That rag. special stage. Yeah, it, uh, it yeah. has a lot of leftover energy from Sonic 3 to mm-hmm. me. It's just a perfect special stage theme. It's just delightful. It's it perfect. Is, it is really delightful. I love it. I love, again... He loves the minor four, the major four to minor four, that sort of melancholic, nostalgic chord progression. But the particular way that I feel like he, uh, Senue, uses these sort of chord changes is very him. I mean, it reminds me of even that opening stage. What is it? Like Emerald Coast Zone from Sonic Adventure. Uh, You can tell this is the same person who did Green Grove, who did the main title sequence, who did the Emerald Coast. Like there's a... A particular flavor of his music harmonically and melodically, but yeah, this is so classic. The um always makes me think of the B section of the character select from Well, we just heard what Jun Senoue did for the special stage. Let's hear what Richard Jakes did for his Saturn special stage. Yeah. 
freaking gnarly. This is my favorite Jake's track of the of his uh, score. Yeah, no kidding. It is badass. It's really cool, and it's also perfect. It's another approach, but it's perfect. It's so Sonicy, honestly. Like this, this is, is yeah. this could be like a Sonic Colors special stage yes. or something. It's I mean, it reminds me of Sonic Mania. It's super a lot. funky, super jazzy. I, I love the, the I again, love it. yeah, the bluesiness, the boom, it's Masato Nakamori. These really rich, dense jazz chords, and it's also just a hip. Piece yeah, of music. I also think it's it's unique. You can't describe this in one word. This is not as cliche as some of his other stylistic pastiches. So I actually really it's appreciate gamey. <laughs> yeah, how much he's leaning into these chords. Like some of those interesting, you know, altered dominant chords that are really out there, but they just sound so great because it's such a tight arrangement. And I also it gives me a Michael Jackson equality, this sort yeah. of synth pop brass. I mean, sound. he nailed this one. Selfishly, I wish that he would have been told to more specifically go for this sound and I style know, on the right? whole score because it would have been a classic. I mean, yeah. it, 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 there are tracks. I mean, I think Green Grove is a classic. I think this is an absolute yeah, I mean, classic. I, I, it's interesting comparing these two because this one is way hipper. It's way funkier and groovier and cool. It's such a different energy. The other one, it succeeds just because it's so melodically earnest and sincere. Yeah. But this is so much more fun and it's higher stakes. It, yeah, they're, they're both kind of perfect bonus themes. You know I what think. I'll say? Because I said it for the Genesis. It's only fair that Richard gets a track of the week. This is <laughs> the Saturn track of the week. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, let's move on. We get another back-to-back here uh, from Gene Gadget Zone, Act 1. Let's start off with Genesis. guys are listening to gene gadget zone act one now i find the later music in 3d blast really interesting a lot of people <laughs> didn't get to this part of the game i mean how many of us r- back in the 90s rented 3d blast and only got to the first few stages before giving up on it so when i was a kid i never got to gene gadget zone so i heard this music this the last few stages way less way less familiar with it but it's interesting that it's a lot sloppier um yeah. I, I really wonder, it's fascinating to me that this is Genesis Sonic music because it's it's not as airtight 
is the stuff that we grew up with. Definitely not. Uh, but there, there are kernels of, of strong ideas here. But then there's certain moments where it's like, hmm, is that dissonance intentional? Hmm, is that melody? That's kind of As, a weird moment. Yeah. Uh, there's certain things undercooked where it's like, oh, I like those three notes or I, I like this texture. Um, in general, I like the sort of Dorian fantasy thing happening with that more bluesy bass. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like this track has a good starting point, but I feel like it could use a few more hours or another day <laughs> in the oven. Kinda in the oven. Um, we said that a couple refined. times today. All right. Well, let's see what Richard does for Gene Gadget Zone Act One. Now we're very clear that this is the person who brought you Sonic R for sure. This is Gene Gadget Zone uh, for the Saturn. And it's it's a better track. It's more effective for the stage. It's a bit annoying at times, but so is the stage. So is this game. So I think it actually works really well for the stage. And when that later part comes in with the you know MIDI synth piano, that feels very Sonic to me. Maybe specifically Sonic R, but yeah, it... It's a, it's a cool track. It's also, it's like the other one is more in the, the compositionally, it's in the idiom of like, you know, instrumental songwriting kind of style where this is in the idiom of electronic dance, music. 90s yeah, dance. Dance music, loopable. Which is cool to get that. Yeah. As in like a brand new game that you just got at the store. It's right. cool to hear in, that. In layers of, of stuff. Interesting production techniques. So much of this sounds kind of saccharine, I think, by today's standards. But I, I actually think this is an interesting style to evoke these days i feel like of all the tracks this one feels like the most intentional like it or hate it this doesn't feel like it's limited by the technology this feels like it's used it's like the sampled drums feel like it's meant to sound digital it's meant to sound processed and chopped up well he uses a lot of 808 drum samples which that was a good choice because who would have thought that would be so timeless even in 2021 right yeah the music here is definitely like 90s dance it doesn't sound like modern electronic music by any means but it's uh, it, it definitely, I think, stands up better than the um, Genesis version, just because I think this composition, it's it's executed with more confidence and intention. And yeah, there are certain yep. things about it. Like, I feel like to me, it takes a little bit too long before it gets to what's appealing about it. And it repeats some of um, certain irritating things with the chord progression with just those parallel 
close voicing chords like dun 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 dun. That's a dance thing though. That's super common for electronic music. But I feel like yeah, I once it gets going, I really dig this one. Let's move on to which is basically the final stage of the game of memory serves. It's Panic Puppet Zone Act One, and this is a really cool and different track for the Genesis score. And we're gonna get the comparison for this one as well, which will be great. Let's start off with this. And surprisingly, this one was composed by Jun Senoue. Let's take a listen to Panic Puppet Act 1. man it's like the more we explore the more we remember how classic some of these tunes are this is a banger this is one of those tunes that i would like to dance to this out on a dance floor like i would just be going crazy for this it's panic puppet zone act one by the wonderful june Senaway. a really so awesome track it's it's so cool that he got a chance to to do one of these more kind of slightly electric it's not electronic but it's it's a little more out there yeah i mean i i think honestly when you take the main title green grove and special special stage and this it's like just freaking quadruple threats so strong i mean this is you know maybe the second best track or arguably the best track in the game it's such a different style than green grove but what i love too is like Th- this opening is so cool and hip and badass, mm-hmm. but then the B section gets some of the charming, jazzy, yes. bluesy positivity of the special stage in Green Senoe-isms. Grove. Yeah, this oh, is so just, outstanding. It's just an awesome and, track. You know, for anyone who played the game, th- this actually is one of the first pieces of music you hear in the game. Yeah, you hear the it little cutscene cut about scene. the flickies yeah, that's and the birds they did and that. stuff. So then when it comes back, it feels it feels really really powerful okay let's see what richard does i actually now i don't remember because i listened to this for the first time um embarrassingly this past week uh preparing for this playlist so i really don't remember what richard did let's hear what he did for panic puppet zone act one
You guys are listening to Panic Puppet Act 1, Saturn version by Richard Jakes. And again, it kind of reminds me of what he did for Gene Gadget. It's definitely effective and it's super dark and intense. And I think it would work really well for this really scary final stage. It is fascinating to go from that really unique, strong Senoe track to this. It's not as strong. It doesn't have as much of its own personality. This is a case where if someone was listening to and being familiar with the previous Panic Puppet, going to this, I could see someone say, oh man, this version kind of sucks. I mean, to me, (laughs) it's like going from Ice Cap Zone on the Genesis to the like horrible PC port version. Right. Uh, that they change for copyright reasons. Like, I mean, this is just... It's just not as... I, honestly, I still have it in my head. Uh, dude, I had a thought. It, another missed opportunity. I, I was kind of mad that hmm. there wasn't much referencing in the Sonic movie to the great themes from the games, but yeah. that would be such a great... that The Panic Puppet Zone from the Genesis, that would be a yeah. great like movie Sonic theme. It really would be. Dark, it's kind of dark, and it's, it, it could be done in a modern style. Like I, I think that would be so cool i challenge anyone out there to like arrange that song in in the style of junkie xl like what he did for (laughs) the movie that would be cool you're welcome hollywood (laughs) um all right let's move on to the final fight and we get a back and forth on this too which is so fun and this is a really more of a fan of street fighter but final (laughs) fights okay this is a cool example because this one was composed by masaru setsumaru a great Sega sound programmer that was responsible for a lot of these classic Sonic scores uh, being, you know, sounding as good as they do. Now we get to hear what his composition is. This is style a classic, is. classic theme. The final fight. interesting you guys listening to the final fight and it's cool to get to hear a setsumaru composition i can kind of tell that this is someone who doesn't usually compose it's primarily more of like a assistant or engineer or kind of programmer arranger um but it is cool to to hear a composition by him i mean it's very out there i think it does work for a final boss but it's it's pretty zany. What well, are you? What are your I've, thoughts? I've always loved this—the placement of this track as the final boss, because it's so spacey and yeah. it's so kind of low energy that yeah. it, there's actually something threatening about it. I, I can't Absolutely. explain it, but it's that sort of unintuitive. It's like, have you ever seen the movie Sweeney Todd? Yeah. Um, well, there's like one of my favorite songs in there is 
Pretty Women, which is this gorgeous ballad that he sings. But it's at a point in the movie where, you know, Sweeney Todd has his arch nemesis in the chair. He's about to no murder him. No spoilers, Will. But they, yeah, they the, sing the this gorgeous ballad. The juxtaposition of, of something sort of low energy with something high stakes can actually have a really powerful combination where it's greater than the sum of its parts. Well, let's move on and see what Richard did for the final fight. You guys listening to The Final Fight by Richard Jakes. I think we've played this a long time ago on the podcast. This is a great track. It's a really effective boss theme. And I think if this was some other kind of, you know, unknown Sega Saturn game that was in 3D with another character that we didn't have an attachment to, I think we would just be singing the praises of this and moving on about our day. But the fact that this is The Final Fight with Dr. Robotnik or Dr. Eggman I will say that it, it doesn't quite feel, it doesn't feel Robotnik to me. What do you think, Will? Yeah, it's, it's hard. Danny I like the melody, again, similar um, with the regular boss theme. I think it could work for Robotnik. Again, this would work in like the cartoon, in like the Sonic cartoon show, I feel like. It's not exceptional. Um, it's kind of very reminiscent of a lot of other it's things It's interesting. We've heard. This is another example where melodically stronger than the Genesis version. Yeah. But less of an interesting or exceptional stylistic choice here. But I, I think this is a good piece of music. I think it's just there's something so unintuitive about the Genesis one that yeah. I really admire. But you can't blame Richard for not doing that because who would do that? Right. Um, <laughs> Only Setsumaro would do that. I do like the chords that he uses here. I do think it works. It's just it feels a little more stock, which is kind of the the overall critique of yes. his score that it, yeah. it I don't want to say it plays it safe because it doesn't have that feeling, but I guess it it doesn't feel as bold and creative. It feels a little bit more stock, whereas yeah. the Genesis one feels more handcrafted, that classic Japanese Sonic vibe and it doesn't always work in this score and there's a lot of misses in the score right. some of we didn't even play today well yeah I, I, def- I feel like the Japanese one feels like the brand of Sonic like yeah. it's a flagship title all of these tunes like that they're jingles they're catchy I, I picture the the almost the commercial aspect of it where like the Richard Jakes one just feels like yeah sort of background music it's fitting the right emotions some of it's it's cool but it has that sort of public domain quality. Well, it's also interesting because this was a very kind of different title because it was co-developed not just by Sega and the Sonic team, but by Traveler's Tales. Right. And so 
it was cool that musically that didn't really change anything. They still use the same classic Japanese team, a lot of which worked on Sonic 3. Jun was on Sonic 3. Maeda was on Sonic 3. Setsumaro was on Sonic 3. So a lot of these people, if not all of them, uh, were the same folks that worked on Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And so that was cool that that uh, was able to survive unscathed. Uh, stick around, guys, for the, the play out. It's the credits from the Genesis version, which I love. I think it's really funky and cool. And this was actually composed apparently by Sai Rao Okamoto, which is not a name I'm familiar with. I guess they just did the credits theme. So, Will, your overall thoughts, your overall takeaway from this kind of comparative 3D Blast episode? Well, I think Sonic 3D Blast is an interesting title in that it was sort of the beginning of the end for what I consider, you know, the golden age of Sonic. It's like, I mean, we all sort of know that Sonic really didn't survive the push from 2D to 3D. And this is the first of many unsuccessful 3D Sonic titles. Um, And it's sort of, there's something a little bit foreboding about looking at these soundtracks that like, even when they're great, you see the, like, it, it forecasts doom for the future of the series of kind of like, where do we go from here? And as, as the language of pop music changed from more of that, like, uh, you know, new Jack swing, Michael Jackson kind of style into this, like, I don't know, getting more into like dance music and four on the floor kind of stuff. It sort of feels like, Oh, Sonic actually is something very specific. (laughs) That's very much tied to the late eighties, early nineties, like in terms of music and Mm -hmm. aesthetic and attitude. And, um, so it's something interesting. It's almost like within one title, we saw the change starting to happen from green grove to panic puppet or I maybe not panic puppet, but you definitely kind of saw it. Right. It's very, very interesting title. And I'm, glad we did it how we did it today i said before but by themselves each one of these ports wouldn't have warranted a full episode but together it made it quite interesting and a lot of great music here by all of these composers every single composer we we have on the playlist today contributed some outstanding music so i agree hats off just wanted to mention that if you guys are listening to this on day of release that is the 31st monday of may this coming Thursday, I'm having my listening party for Wavemaker, and the next day, Friday the 4th, it's going to be out. So look forward to that. It's going to be really fun to finally share this album with everyone. I've been really excited and put a lot of work into it, so I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Everything I've heard has been awesome. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. It seems like this is uh, almost a transitionary album for you, kind of yeah. moving from some of the styles that some of our fans might be more familiar into some also exploring some new directions. I yep. think it's going to be really fun. I also Thanks wanted to plug the, uh, I, I released that double album collection last week um, yes. uh, called the Columbia Chronicles, which you can find at uh, williambmusic.bandcamp.com. Uh, yeah, a lot of exciting music, and we have even more stuff in the mm-hmm. works that we're excited to announce. Very exciting. One thing we can announce now is that we've converted our band camp to a label, right. which is now called Marcado Records. We'll be talking about this in the coming weeks as well. Definitely. So now there's a label page, which you can get to by going to marcadorecords.bandcamp.com. Then within that label has all, a bunch of different artists, including the Super Marcado Bros, Carl, Will, Marty, and eventually we're going to have more and more people added to that. Mm-hmm. So yes, Wavemaker is actually now going to be 
releasing on my own Bandcamp, which is carlbmusic.bandcamp.com. And after we converted everything, uh, it, it kind of split everything up. And so now uh, if you go to that page, you'll see Downforce and High Flyer and Get Bitten. All of my previous albums are now on my own page. Right. All of the Mercado albums are on that page. So yeah, it's a lot more organized now. So definitely check out MercadoRecords.BandCamp.com. And we're going to be talking more about that in the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. So we exciting hope, times. Exciting times indeed. So we hope everyone's doing good and having a good start to your summer. I think that's it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Take care, everybody. Peace out.